Welcome to Business Matters with host Rob Capello, a podcast where we open the conversation on what matters for business. We would like to thank your sponsor, Valley First Credit Union, a member-owned financial cooperative serving the Okanagan, Similkameen, and Thompson. They offer a wide range of banking and investment services for individuals and families. Valley First also has a talented business and commercial team to provide the expertise, products, and services local businesses need to grow and thrive. Good morning, everyone. Um, Welcome to our Business Matters live stream. My name is Rob Capello. I'm a VP Business Development and Non-Media Group, and I'll be moderating today. Um, before we jump in, just wanted to give you guys a little bit of background on our Business Matters platforms or our, our live sessions. So we just believe as a business community, we, we're all in this together and we want to share best practices, support each other and, and spend locally as much as possible. So we think even more important now is, you know, we want to keep moving forward and the people we have on the panel today are, are, um, are all moving forward. So they're all making sure that their businesses are staying active during this time. Um, we hope that business matters is just one little way that we can give back to the community. So um, hopefully you enjoy uh, the content that we're putting out. So um, we're live streaming on zoom and on Facebook, the recordings will be available afterwards as well. And, and feel free to submit questions. We already got a bunch of questions submitted, which is awesome. Uh, we'll do our best to answer as many as we can. Um, and then if we not, we'll circle back afterwards as well. So, so I'm super excited today having a, a, a really good panel lined up. Um, I'm thinking one hour, we're just talking before, I'm thinking one hour won't be enough, but we'll do our best to cover as much as possible. Um, so today's topic is real estate, obviously, and, and you see the faces around. And we understand how important that sector is to our economy. It contributes literally hundreds of million dollars to our local economy. Um, but the current situation sometimes causes people to, to pause maybe and, and potentially stop, you know, the money flowing and want to make sure that doesn't happen. But the flip side is the, you know, lowest interest rates we've seen in a long time. So, so where does that leave us? Well, let's jump in and find out. So let's get started. So we have four local business professionals covering a wide spectrum of real estate services. Um, and they're all finding ways to do business during this time. So uh, Renee Merrifield, I think most people on the call probably know Renee. She's a partner and CEO of Troika Developments. Um, Renee's super active in our community and has a real broad experience in land development, construction, manufacturing, and retail, which is something new that I didn't know about the retail side, which is great to see. And um, today, Renee will be talking about sort of the new normal for Troika Developments and if the current situation is how to rethink any projects. Uh, thanks, Renee, for joining us. Uh, Jerry Redman, owner and managing director at Remax Kelowna. Uh, Jerry's been in the real estate in Kelowna for over 27 years and 22 of those with Remax. So today Jerry's going to share with us how local realtors are still doing business and still within the physical distancing guidelines and moving forward. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, Angela Roy or Kupal, Kupal? Did I say that right? Kupal? Yeah, Kupal. Uh, managing director at Jane Hoffman Realty. Um, Angela brings a really unique resume because she marries legal marketing and operations all into one so it's a a unique uh, marriage of of skill sets so um, she has a real passion for business and has been part of you know the team at Jane Hoffman is one of the number one teams in Caldwell Banker sorry involved in all of Canada so um, in being leaders in the luxury market we will explore how that sector is coping with the realities of what we're doing in COVID-19 and lastly Alison McLeod uh, real estate and business lawyer at Doak Sheriff Lawyers um, Allison practices real estate and is well versed in residential as well, commercial real estate development matters, construction law, commercial leasing, and I probably forgot a few. Um, we could probably spend a whole hour just talking about legal implications story around COVID-19, but we'll, we'll do our best to get as much as answered. So, so format, I'm going to be asking some questions and then I'll move over to sort of the questions. We have a lot already submitted and I know we're going to get a lot um, as we're going through this. So. Uh, Renee, we'll start with you. Um, you know, one of the most challenging aspects of something like this is that is there's just uncertainty. We, no one knows. Like, no one knows what today is going to bring or tomorrow is going to bring. So, you know, when will things get back to normal? Will they get back to normal? Uh, there's lots of government assistance that's being offered and some people qualify, some don't. Um, and, you know, in the situation you're in, you know, do you build a 50, 80, 100 new units into the market when you don't know if there's a market for it? But We've talked a few times uh, in, in the last you know, week or two, and, and I, I just find that you guys are full steam ahead. You have a positive attitude through this. And, and so has there been any projects that you guys have paused because of this? And if not, 
where do you get the optimism that the market's going to continue to spend in real estate in, in Kelowna and the Okanagan? Well, I, I think that um, it's, it's pause is a weird word. There's timing that we've, we've shifted or changed, but that's largely because of just a need to pivot a lot on the sales process and a lot on the marketing aspects. We still believe that people need homes and need places to live. We also believe that this, uh, this time in the market where we have COVID, where we have low interest rates, we have a ton of government spending, a ton of government money um, that is coming into the market will really uh, set us up for a Q3, Q4 that we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, people like to compare this time frame to 2008 and 2010, but this is very different. And, and Rob, you mentioned the government supports, and I just want to touch on that. The government is spending more money than they ever have in history. I want to give it just a, a proportion. Um, this year, we will go $100 billion into deficit. From 2008 to 2010, the government, the federal government released a total, a sum total of $27 billion. So you have to think about the magnitude of money that is being released into um, the em- economy right now. It's absolutely staggering. And with that comes a tremendous opportunity, an opportunity for people to get into the market where they haven't been able to over the past two years. People forget about the stress test and and how that uh, increase really shoved a lot of people outside of the market and how then increased interest rates shoved people outside of the market. And so what we're seeing is an unprecedented amount of people that are coming and registering online. We have never seen numbers like this before. So, um, and and the, our salespeople are actually having a hard time getting through, getting back to every single person, which is an unbelievably awesome uh, uh, thing or situation to have. I heard a statistic the other day, and I'm, I'll give it to you um, because it does give me reason for for positivity. There are more millionaires made coming out of a recession then there are bankruptcies that occur within a recession. Mm. But you have to be ready for the opportunity. So it's like Gretzky, you know, skate for where the puck's going to be, not for where it is today. So it's hard right now. And I don't minimize how difficult it is to not just look at our current situation and say, this is where we are and this is how it will be. But I just want to say the puck will not stay here forever. And uh, Q1, Q2 will be horrible. We're going to have statistics that will absolutely be devastating. But uh, I, I think that um, Jerry and Angela will share statistics that uh, will show that, you know, we're not going to lose our values in our homes. And coming out of Q, Q2, we're going to see a tremendous opportunity in Q3 and Q4. So how the, you're saying you're seeing a lot of registrations. Are, are you finding that, are, are they from the local market, out of market? Where are you seeing people coming and interested in the market still? Is it, is it still Vancouver, Alberta, or is it local or mixture? Um, it's way less Alberta. Alberta has a, a triple whammy, and I'll, I'll just mm-hmm. be honest about that. Mm-hmm. But where we're seeing a massive surge is from Vancouverites. Um, I think that uh, the urban uh, thrill is a little bit lackluster when all of a sudden you're sitting in a 350 square foot apartment that you're paying two grand for a month. Um, and so I think that people are saying, wait, I have an opportunity with a job uh, because there's these tech sectors and aerospace industries and healthcare and wow, I can go to university in, in Kelowna and wait, I can actually buy an 850 square foot apartment or a 1300 to 1700 foot, uh, you know, a square foot townhouse or own my single family home. So it's, it's definitely the Vancouverites that are saying, ah, I've had enough of this. Um, I'm ready to move. The other one that we're seeing is the, the 55 year old that says, hey, you know what, I can work from anywhere. Right. And this COVID crisis has really shifted that dial. And they're like, you know what, let's live there. And uh, let's go and, and live, live out our dream, which, which is Kelowna. So right. we're definitely seeing that. But then the locals, we're talking about renters. We're talking about um, even foreigners who are now uh, have their citizenship um, and saying, well, I don't have that 20% uh, tax on, on my purchase. So we're seeing it from, from those two areas mainly, but we're talking about hundreds a week of registrants. 
that we've never seen before. I don't care if it's a huge launch or, a, but to see hundreds of registrants every single week, live people signing up and saying, please call me. I want to hear more about this product is unprecedented, which we're thrilled about. That's great. Last, last part, um, you had mentioned you've had to change the way you're doing marketing and sales. Can you just speak a little bit around that? You know, what are the different things you're doing now? Um, and, and do you think it's going to be a little bit of the new norm going forward? Has it changed a little bit on how you're doing business in the future as well? Absolutely. Um, our, our, our customer journey path is all about building belonging. And before it was welcome, you know, uh, how, do, how does our salesperson welcome that, that individual who really wants to um, see our homes? Now it's all about contact, you know? Um, our process has gone from a person to person to a digital format. And, and how do you still personalize that? How do you still make that warm and friendly? But how do you give information as much as possible on, in an online format so that people have access to it? that innovation for the real estate industry is here to stay. So anyone who's kind of waiting on the sidelines to say, I'm going to start handshaking and, and, uh, and, you know, eyeball to eyeball when this is all over, people are going to look at health and safety in a very different manner. And your contact physically is going to be the very last point um, in the process. Uh, and, you know, Allison can weigh in on the whole legal aspect, but I think even legally, I think we're going to see a different process that will occur. And I think that that's positive. It's not a negative for people. Um, so get used to digital, get used to seeing a lot more information on websites. And, uh, and thank you to now Kelowna Kamloops. Where else are you? Is it, let's just say now media <laughs> and tech creative for, because honestly, you guys will be invaluable to that process on a move forward basis. Well, thank you. Thank you, Renee. So, so Jerry, how about if you continue on sort of the discussion we have with Renee about, you know, are, are you, are you seeing the same thing? Are you guys seeing from a uh, um, managing broker and from your realtors? Are you seeing the activity? Are you seeing the same stuff that Renee's uh, uh, has been talking about as well? Oh, there we go. Sorry. <laughs> I was trying to keep it muted with a background noise here. So um, we definitely are. The last week we've noticed uh, a shift in optimism, even from the agents that work in the office. When the you know, COVID first hit us, we all we took a fairly uh, quick approach on dealing with things. We set up showing protocols, uh, listing protocols for our agents to make sure we're keeping them and their clients as safe as we can. Um, and a lot of people backed off. Uh, but in the last week, week and a half, we're starting to definitely see more showing requests, uh, more deals being handed into the office and convincing office and stuff like that. No matter what goes on in the marketplace, you know, I've been in this, um, seen a lot of ups, a lot of downs over my 30-year career in this business in Kelowna. And one thing about it is that business still gets done. It gets done differently, like Renee said. We're seeing listing presentations done being on a Zoom meeting now where, you know, that would have never been done, you know, a month ago or even talked about a month ago. Um, so we see a lot of excitement in the market already starting to happen. The, the nice weather always brings it out. We had a really, really strong Q1. Mm -hmm. um, it was amazing how the, the shift had happened. There's been a lot of changes in the real estate market since uh, mid-2018, and that seemed to start to normalize, and the market got really busy. The difference, you know, from this downturn is it happened much more abruptly. And I think that's one of the reasons why I think it will recover a lot quicker as well. So I think that the future for Kona is bright. Um, the optimism out there we're seeing, I face Highway 97 with my office window, and it's amazing how much traffic this week is even starting to go down the highway. So I think that the um, we're looking at some positive aspects coming out of this in the future. And do you, and do you feel the same, the same question asked Renee is that, do you feel this is going to be a little bit of the new normal moving forward? Even when I, I say the normal, we're not sure what the normal is going to look like, but um, are you going to, you think that the realtors and, and, and prospects and clients are going to expect to do more digital stuff. So doing virtual tours and street, like, is that, is that changed a little bit of how realtors are going to do business moving forward? I think that definitely the consumer is going to want to see a lot more and learn a lot more before they go into the houses. Um, but at the end of the day, they still need to walk through it. You can walk through a house virtually and, you know, over the years, I've, how many times I've had people pick homes that they think uh, that's the house because of the pictures and the videos they've seen. And when they get there, it's not the house at all. You, there's just things that still in our industry, it has to be felt, touched. This is really about the feeling of walking into a home. It's not that it's three bedrooms, two bathrooms and 2,800 square feet. I mean, 
we've all had, uh, and I'm sure Angela will talk to this, is where a buyer walks into a house that doesn't fit their criteria at all, and that's the one they buy because of the feeling. So, yeah, we're going to do a lot of stuff different um, leading up to it, but the end game is still going to be a belly-to-belly -belly business that we have. Right. And what are you seeing right now from uh, what type of product is moving right now? Like, it, 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 what are you seeing? Uh, you know, we're, we're seeing a kind of a cross-section. We're seeing, um, you know, higher end over a million is, is active, um, as well as still first-time buyers jumping into the market. So it comes down to a lot about in the individual's feeling of how this is going to be affected. And one of the things we always, you know, I've talked about every time we have a change in the market is what's the end game of the consumer, right? And I've said, if you're, to, you know, if someone says to me right now, hey, I want to buy a house to flip in the next six months, probably not the right time to be shopping. <laughs> but if you're going... God, I love this house. I'm going to raise my kids in this house and be there for 15 years. It's irrelevant if you buy it today or it's $20,000 cheaper in three months. It's only relevant when you go to sell it in 15 years down the road. So that's what people really need to keep in their mindset is what are we doing this for? We're not, real estate's not a short-term game. And the uh, most people are looking at it for the long-term. And, and uh, as Renee said earlier, we need to look outside where the, as she said, where the puck is right now, where it's going. And, you know, the fundamentals of Kelowna, what's brought everybody here for over 50 years, um, it hasn't changed. It's only gotten better with everything that's been developed and built in Kelowna in the last 10 years, just bringing more and more people to our region. And I think we'll sit down in, in the next 10 years and go, God, remember when you could buy a house for, you know, the average house price in Kelowna was 700 grand and not a million one. And I think that's where we're going to go because of what we have here. Yeah, we're 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 fortunate where we live for sure because we in, in everyone sees in the media the devastation in you know the U.S. and so forth as well. So we're pretty we're pretty fortunate in in, in B.C. and then even more so being in Cologne and in the Okanagan. Um, mm -hmm. We're pretty fortunate there. Thank you for joining us, Jerry. I know we're talking earlier about how people are zoomed out right now. <laughs> They're on call, Zoom calls, so I appreciate everyone's time today. Um, do I do just want to let everybody know, attendees, that you can ask questions. So please uh, feel free to ask questions as well. So, so Angela, um, want to shift the focus a little bit into, like I said earlier, that Angela really marries a, a few things being the legal side and marketing operations. And I want to spend a little bit on the marketing because we know how important marketing is for the real estate business. We've talked about one-on-one -on -one connections. Like, you know, that's sort of what, what the real, real estate business is, a lot of one-on-one -on -one connections. So how have you been able to stay connected with your clients and what tools outside of Zoom are you using to make sure you're connected with uh, your current clients? I, that's an interesting question. I think that um, with any sort of marketing, really, you're trying to connect with uh, who your target audience is and, and create almost more of a human connection with them and an emotional connection with them. And um, it's I've been very fortunate to work with one of the leading agents, Jane Hoffman, and and kind of get insight into what's made her successful over the last three decades and, and what makes her tick and what makes her clients tick. And um, the one thing that really resonates with me that she always stresses is um, how important it is to just care about people and how can you show people that you care about them. And uh, I think the most important thing right now, rather than Zoom, is, is getting on a call and picking up the phone and rather than sending the email or sending the text, try to actually hear somebody and, and hear in their voice kind of what makes them uh, motivated to buy or to sell and how are they actually feeling and learning more about that and um, being a bit more compassionate um, and understanding of their sensitivities to what's going on around them and how they're being impacted by this and learning about their families and um, just digging a little bit deeper. And I feel um, as much as this has uh, impacted maybe the way we do business on a daily basis, it's actually provided a great opportunity to uh, take a step back and slow down and put your list together of the people that you want to connect with and really truly try to understand uh, where they're at and how they're being impacted by this. Uh, so I think in that respect, um, I think this is a great opportunity to do that. And I see our agents actually taking that time and, and putting some really uh, deep thought into how to connect with their uh, past clients or future clients or maybe prospects. That's an interesting point. I think you, in, it's so valid that right now how important the phone is. Mm -hmm. Just picking up the phone and talking to people. And it's, it's a shift for sure, because I think in sales, we've probably focused a lot on marketing with 
technology, email, e it's easy to email, easy to text, but picking up the phone sometimes is not the easiest thing, but right now it's the best thing to do because people just want to talk. Like we've yeah. been finding that as well, right? Just reaching out to clients and just checking in. Even how we're positioning the calls and in our, in our um, weekly calls with agents, or I guess we're doing it every two weeks, we're calling them comfort calls. So we're encouraging our agents, just put some thought into who can you reach out to and who can you comfort in these circumstances? And it's shifting the value that, or the way that we're defining value. And it's no longer, um, here's a list of properties that you may be interested in, let's chat about them. It's more, how can we provide comfort to you? Whether it's through information or statistics or what product is moving or what product isn't moving or what are we seeing in your neighborhood? It really is, how can we create that value on a comfort level? Um, are you guys still spending any dollars in marketing? Like what, what, what have you done sort of in, in your sort of advertising side? Um, or are you still, are you still putting dollars in the market at all? Yeah, I think from a, a competitive advantage uh, perspective, um, this is a time where we see opportunity to look at the market and not necessarily pivot, but how can we expand our market share? Um, and now is not necessarily the time to be, um, cutting everything off and turning off the taps, it's being really strategic and thoughtful about where we're, where we are allocating our dollars. And I think Renee touched on it earlier with uh, online presence. And um, obviously everybody's aware that people are maybe stuck at home on the internet or listening to Spotify and hearing the ads running on Spotify or whatever those platforms are. It's trying to figure out how can you uh, reach your target audience or even a broader audience in a different way um, so we have um, shifted our marketing budgets around uh, and, and maybe shifted away from some of the more typical print advertising platforms that we've been using and, and really looking at how can we reach people on a digital level. Yeah, and we're seeing the stats are showing like, you know, digital consumption is obviously through the roof because of everyone's at home. Um, there's lots of inventory. That, uh, so, but making that one-on-one -on -one connection is, is, is the, you hit the nail on the head for sure. It's just trying to, in, in figuring out what you do and what you do best. Yeah. Really well, and, and Jerry mentioned earlier, um, like this is a situation where people need to go through a property and feel it. And it comes back to kind of that innate sense of, is this the right fit for me? And, and I think now we're exploring ideas. How can we create a feeling over a screen? Um, so whether it's through virtual tours or, uh, FaceTime tour with an agent where you're the buyer is in control of where you're going through the house or virtual open houses. We're really exploring um, and trying to innovate to adapt to the needs of the buyer market or the market in general. Yeah, that's excellent. Well, thank you for joining us today. We'll circle back. We'll just get Allison involved here. So Allison, thank you for joining us. Um, a little bit of a shift. So we, I saw that, you know, you wrote an article around this topic earlier this month about uh, the provincial government issued an emergency order at the end of March. Um, the order has placed a ban on all evictions except in some circumstances. So, so what does that mean for someone looking to purchase a home with a tenant in it? Like, how, where does it leave us? Like, where does it leave someone? And, and what are the rights the tenants has uh, versus the person that, that's going to be purchasing the home? Uh, what it means is that it's harder and more complicated now. So any uh, real estate transaction that involved a tenant pre-COVID had its complications because now you're involving a, a, another party into the mix that, you know, they're not bound to the contract, but they can certainly have an effect on it. The fact that the tenant can't be evicted, um, it, it means that you can't grant vacant possession to a purchaser. So say I'm buying your property and you have a tenant in that property, there either needs to be some sort of a, a provision to allow for extensions if necessary, if you know the tenant is unwilling or unable to evict, uh, vacate the property. Um, you know, even if they say, yes, that's fine, I have somewhere to go, I'm gonna leave. If they start showing symptoms and have to do a 20 or a 14 day quarantine, then, then what do you do? So making sure that you've got protections in the contract to allow for extensions um, if those circumstances arise because what you want to be careful of is i probably don't want to buy your property with a tenant in it because i don't want to become a landlord unless that's the purpose unless i'm buying an investment property and this is a good tenant and that tenant is just going to remain in the property but if it's a property that i want to move into i want to be able to do that at some point in time um, and even pre-COVID, um, there's quite a few restrictions on what a landlord can and cannot do. Right. So 
unless you're willing to take that on as a, as a purchaser, you want to make sure that your contract protects your right to get that vacant possession of the property. So it's, it's a lot of uh, kind of a theme that everybody has touched upon is, you know, pick up the phone, have a dialogue, you work collaboratively with, collaboratively with your team. So it's, you know, everybody's kind of in the same boat, your realtor, your lawyer, um, even your banker, getting everybody on the same page to make sure that you're doing what you can to, to protect your client. So uh, that kind of leads into a question that was submitted earlier a little bit is that it says, should we be including COVID-19 clauses in purchase and sales agreements? Yes and no. So you want to be really careful with what you're doing because say I'm selling a property to Angela and that contract has some sort of a COVID related clause that Angela can extend if she needs to. And then if I'm purchasing a property for you, so what if Angela extends, I can't sell, I'm now short hundreds of thousands of dollars and my contract with you doesn't allow for any sort of extension. So you can draft certain provisions, but you need to pay close attention to what you're doing. And that's when it is really good to have the realtor and the client connect with the lawyer to say, here's kind of what my horizon looks like. You know, this is basically all the balls that I have up in the air right now. How can we tie these together in the best way to protect me? And the other thing to keep in mind is that, yes, you want to draft provisions to protect you, but it's not like there is a silver bullet provision for dealing with COVID. Right. Um, the land title office is open. Lawyers are open. Banks are open. So those three things let you buy a property. So you know, if it's a, if it turns out that it's just, you know, an investment that you don't want to go ahead with anymore, or the timing isn't great, that's a, a pretty hard thing to kind of work just a general parachute clause into, into a contract once you've removed your subjects. So, so there are provisions you can draft, but they have to be done carefully and methodically and on a well-informed basis. Excellent. Well, thank you. We're getting lots of questions. So let's dive into some questions. We're already halfway through. I told you it's going to go fast. Half an hour goes really quick. So, um, so some of them are directed specifically to people and some will just, what kind of, someone can people jump in? So Renee, this was asked, um, of you a little bit different than traditional real estate question is that I know we're talking about how we're staying connected with clients and so forth, but, um, is, is your team working from home? I think the answer is yes, if I look in the background. And if you are, how are you staying connected with your team? And what's the best practices that people, business owners can use to not only connect with their, their sorry, their clients, but even with their team right now? Um, so I would, I, I'm going to answer this question because uh, in, a, in a number of different ways, because even in talking with uh, a number of colleagues over the course of the last few weeks, um, most of us have gotten closer to our teams. Mm -hmm. Most of us are actually in, in closer and more direct communication than we ever have been because there's less of a dependency on that, you know, two minute high five as you're, you know, flying through the office or, oh, hey, I'll, I'll get, I'll, you know, I'll catch her when she's back from that trip. Um, because I, I used to travel pretty extensively for work. So, um, you know, January and February, I was home for a total of eight days. So now I am available to everyone anytime. <laughs> um, and I have to say, video conferencing used to be that last resort uh, aspect. And now it's really a first, a first resort. We don't, um, yes, we'll pick up the phone and have a five minute call, but if we're going to have a, a meeting or weekly uh, uh, one with ones, etc., those all of a sudden are done video conferencing. And that I think has given us a lot of connectivity that we didn't have before as well. We're using technology in a different way. Um, we have, you know, whether it's Slack and a lot of companies Slack, a lot of companies are on Microsoft Teams. Um, there's uh, Basecamp, you know, regardless of the of the actual technology that you utilize, the amount of correspondence that we're doing is just really um, heightened. And that's a good thing. Uh, when as a company, if you're looking at moving anything like agile, um, or just you know trying to move into more of a flat matrix rather than you know a hierarchical structure all of a sudden you have to have those communication um, patterns and and strategies really nailed down and that's something that we've gotten a lot better at over the course of the last uh, four weeks and I think we'll remain I don't see that changing um, and I also think that reliance on travel will shift 
uh, I don't think we're going to get back to a, a normal quote unquote until we have a vaccine on on the travel aspect. And I have to say, you know, my last two trips were were just as COVID nineteen was sort of you know, taking hold in, in some of the European countries. And, and there was a little bit more fear in, in just how, you know, how this was going to go. So all of a sudden video conferencing, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to be at two different events in May and, and yeah, I might be able to travel, but let's just do it via video. And I think that that's what you'll see more and more of, which is great for our environment. It's great for, um, you know, for team building and, and relationship, et cetera. And, and really it's a good way to, to keep um, connected. That's great. Thank you. I know it's a little bit of a different question, but I, I, I like the, the ability to give business owners that are on the call some insight, and that's really good. Thank you very much. Um, Jerry, uh, question is, um, you've, been down, you've been through downturns before, so how quickly did real estate back, bounce back from previous downturns, and do you feel the same will happen this time around? Do you have the crystal ball? <laughs> yeah. You didn't ask for that when I uh, agreed to do this panel. <laughs> you know the bounce backs from economy-based issues where we've done like the fallout from 2008 and back in 1994 um, were longer, uh, longer, slower uptakes um, for recovery. Myself, my feeling is because this happened so quickly, and a lot of it depends on how long this starts to stretch out for. But if it starts to normal, not, and normal is not the right word. It's a right. word we all tend to throw out there, but it's not really the right word. But as we start to transition back into more of a, the way we're used to doing business, if it's a relatively shorter period than a lot of people have talked about, I think the rebound from this will be much quicker. I, I agree with Ray. I think, Renee, that we could easily see a very hectic Q3 and Q4 here. Um, but if it decides to start to stretch out longer, I think there's going to be a, a, a bit of a flatter bottom on this. But on a short term, I believe we're going to see a fairly quick uptick on, on consumption and people getting back. People are going crazy right now and looking for something to do. Renee, you want to add to that? Yeah, I, I was actually on a webinar with uh, RBC's chief economist, uh, Chris Wright, and then also CIBC, Benjamin Tall. And the, the one thing that both of them said was um, that the federal government is trying to give sort of the perfect storm for, for the real estate industry to lead the way out of this COVID crisis which was not the case um, in 2008, 2010. So to Jerry's point, in 2008, it was a financial crisis. The banks were not lending, people were devastated, jobs were lost. This one, the, the feds are trying to keep everyone mostly employed, if not by the federal government, uh, you know, by their own employers. And then as well, they're saying, hey, we're gonna create this essential service, which is construction. And really what we want to do is to keep people employed and to keep things moving forward. Nice. Um, Chris Wright went so far as to say that um, it was actually going to be BC and Ontario that were going to surge into um, probably one of the strongest real estate markets that we've seen. Now, that really will provide a window of opportunity because we've seen what the government does when our markets start to overheat um, and they'll try and pull those back online as well. So there will be this opportunity and this window where people will be able to jump in with low interest rates and, and without the, um, the actual values going up into uh, too high of, a, of, a, of an extreme. Hmm. So, um, thank you, Angela. Um, what what planning are you doing right now um, as we wait sort of announcements on when and how we might be able to open up again, quote unquote, and, and what input would you have for businesses or on a call that what could they be doing now uh, to get ready for as we slowly open up the economy again? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, I, I think it's really hard to uh, anticipate how the new normal is actually going to be. And so you're almost trying to plan for something that you're you're totally unsure of what it's actually going to look like. Um, I feel like in Kelowna and, and Canada, uh, we're fairly insulated from um, some of the more significant changes that might be experienced. But um, I've been doing a lot of kind of zooming out and looking at our business and our core purpose and what are we actually trying to do here and and what are we really good at and what are our competitive advantages and. One of the things that I keep thinking about is um, any decision or anything, any strategic move that we need to be looking at making is 
um, being thought of with the filter of um, what is our vision? What's our long-term vision? And let's manage to our long-term vision rather than responding to uh, the crisis. And so when, when we're making decisions and we're looking at maybe the three or five-year plan or even three-month or one-year plan, um, how do the decisions we're making today align with what our vision is for our company? Yeah, and I think that's great. I think our, our previous call last week, there was lots of discussion about and kind of like Verne, like go where the puck's going to be is, is, you know, I know we, a lot of businesses are just trying to survive day to day. I get that for sure. But you need to start planning for the, you need to look forward. You need to look forward, not in the back. You can't, we can't change what's happened. Right. So that's, mm -hmm. that's really good input for sure for businesses as well. Um, Allison, this is sort of a two-part question. Um, there's two different questions. I'm going to kind of put them together. Uh, the question is, um, is there any progress around condo insurance support? And the second part of that is just maybe discussion around residential and commercial rent reliefs. What, what's been offered? Um, how do they apply? I think people are, that's a lot of the issues that we hear is that there's these programs, but people don't know where, how, how do we qualify? How do we apply for them? Do you have any insight into what? that for us? Yes, so for the residential rent relief, um, if whoever's asking the question, go to um, residential tenancy branch website. If you Google that, you'll find some COVID related information and there will be information and links there on what you need to do to qualify for your relief and how you can actually make that application. Um, I believe it is a $500, um, a maximum $500 subsidy for your residential rent. So. So take a look to that website and that's how you can start that process going. Um, in regards to commercial rent, we had some more details released um, in the last few days about the, I'm gonna say this, uh, it's the Canada Emergency Commercial Rent Assistance Program. <laughs> so, so how that works, uh, they're hoping to roll it out mid-May. So that still presents a problem for people who have to pay rent on May 1st, um, but they're hoping to roll it out mid-May. Um, it applies to uh, commercial tenants as well as charities. Um, and more details will be coming. But the logic behind it is that if the landlord in effect reduces the rent that the tenant has to pay to 25%, the federal government will chip in 50% and then the landlord takes a haircut on their 25%. So that's how you get your rent paid, so to speak. Um, if, if the uh, landlord does do that, then the rent provided from the federal and provincial governments is um, forgiven. If they do not reduce the rent that has to be paid, then the federal and provincial governments will chip in 50%. The tenant has to do the top up for 50%, but then the, uh, the funds contributed by the governments has to be repaid by the landlord. So the money flows from the government through the Canada Mortgage Housing Corporation to the landlord's lender. Um, I don't have information yet as to whether or not this will apply to commercial uh, tenancies that um, where the landlord doesn't have a mortgage on it. So we need more information on that, but um, that's probably a lot of information very quickly, but, but reach out if anybody has more specific questions on it. I do actually have an article on our website posted on that with a bit more information, but that's sort of all that's been released on the commercial rent relief to date. Perfect. So. Thank you. Um, so two questions around this. I'm going to again combine it to one and, and someone can put up their hand uh, on who can best answer this, but um, how will municipal requirements be met with respect to town halls for residents with proposed projects? Um, I know there used to be mandatory open houses to see the proposed projects and all residents within those communities have dialogue around their concerns. And the other question to kind of um, relates on is just is, is the situation changed with city approvals as, as it has it caused delays and so forth through this as well so I don't know who could who wants to tackle that question Renee okay <laughs> it was really <laughs> no well I because I, I, I don't want to be the I don't want to talk too much so but um, I will give information because we're actually planning for one right now Perfect. so it will be digitalized so all of our information will be on a website that we will notify all of the residents within the area they can go to, they can look at all the information. And then we're gonna host town halls similar to these webinars where people can log on and we'll stream them live on Facebook as well so that people can actually get um, 
the information that they want and ask questions, just as they would if they were walking around an open house and talking with different staff, etc. Um, and so we're, but we won't just do that once. We'll do a series of them so that we can make sure that people um, have access to the information and have questions answered and can give us feedback. Because one of the things that the town halls create is those that really important information coming back to us to say, hey, we really like this about the product, but could you just change that or that or hey have you ever thought about this with a you know with your housing so we really um, appreciate that feedback and 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 that's really vital the cities uh have for the most part really shifted how they're doing um public hearings yeah. and are doing that in a socially distanced way and are doing it um so that people don't all show up at the very beginning they're saying this public hearing has from this time to this time so you only come at the specified time for that particular um, application. And uh, we're really appreciative of just how the city of Kelowna has very thoughtfully done that um, because it does protect all of its citizens and res residents. The weird thing is that you're talking to nobody. Mm. So um, when you're actually at the public hearing, a lot of the, the city councillors are actually online. So you don't see them. They're not sitting on their chairs, uh, yeah. but they're online and you can still hear them, which is great too. So have you dealt with the other part of the question was sort of through city approvals and is, is has there been a slowdown in approvals or uh, any of that um, because of the current situation at all? Have you had any dealings with them on that? Well, our 13 projects are in eight different municipalities, and I would have to say that most municipalities are trying still to get applications moving through. Um, and in some cases, they're moving through faster just because staff are not dealing with walk-in traffic right. that are coming in. Um, and so we are seeing in some cases things accelerate, in some cases where offices have had to shrink staff or they're not able to work from home where things are slowing down slightly. But um, for instance, you know, the city of Prince George, I have a, a web call with them um, at 11.30 today and there'll be 12 people sitting on the, on the phone call having a meeting, which typically we would have had to wait for because we would have had to go there. And, you know, so it, it, in some cases it's actually speeding up the process. Okay. Um, another question again, you guys can just put up your hand who can answer this is with the stock market in flux and institutional lenders making major adjust adjustments, are you seeing a new role or expanded role for private lending right now? Anyone have any input on that on Jerry? I don't think we're seeing a, a huge expansion. I mean, it's private lending has been out and used quite a lot for a long time here in Cologne. Anyways, we've had a few different, um, groups doing it. So I don't know at this point if we can say we're seeing a real big difference in it at the residential level. Um, but I'm sure we will start to see some changes as everything changes as we move forward. Allison? Yeah, basically to build upon that, it's, you know, it, it's always sort of there and it will shift and move to to kind of take opportunity of whatever, you know, space there may be for it to fill. So depending how things continue to evolve from here, if people are in a position where that is the circumstance that they're moved into, then, then yes, we will see more of it. But I also haven't seen a significant increase as of yet. But Rob, just to that point, one of the reasons is because the feds at the very, well, one of the first things that they did is um, they actually reduced the amount of um, capital that banks needed to hold um, with respect to real estate. And uh, that essentially released about $90 billion um, of liquidity into the marketplace. So really the secondary lenders take a, a more important role when the banks are, are very tight on lending and right now they're not right now they're they're elated trying to get money out the door um mostly to you know to existing clients but then also to new clients so i think you're going to see um more of that happening um in the next little bit and that the secondary lenders won't really have a place or space in that in that okay. thank you um next question so it's a little bit long one so bear with me it says we have a lakefront property that we had hoped to sell this spring with covid we're all encouraged to stay home this makes it challenging to travel to Kelowna because we live near calgary to prepare the property for sale are we better to wait and put the property on the market later or look or look at renting we're getting close to our six month speculation tax period so this needs to be done quickly any recommendations or insights for them 
You know, I'm a believer in if you want to sell your property, you put it on the market. Um, lakefront properties are, you know, challenging at best. Um, they're, you know, it's not something that if you're thinking you're going to put your lakefront on a property today and and see it sell in a week, depending on the price category of it, where it is. And Angela's going to be able to speak to this as they do a lot of waterfront homes. Um, but the speculation tax and renting it, you might be able to do both. Put it on the market and put a tenant in it um, and look after it that way. So I'll let Angela expand on that. I think that with luxury properties, it's, it's tough to, to really truly answer that question. I think that it takes a different type of strategy and um, building on what Jerry said, with uh, waterfront properties, the higher the price point you get, generally the longer the days on market is because you're trying to reach a smaller demographic or a smaller audience. Um, but saying that it, it really does depend on the product and the product type and, and the price point and, and I guess what the risk tolerance of the seller is or what the tolerance of the seller is to um, move within the market and the value of the property. So I, I don't know if there is a right answer for that. I, I really do think it gets back to um, truly learning more about what the vendor's motivations are and, and what their horizon is. That's fair. That's good. Um, Jerry, this is a question for you. It says, as a broker owner, um, how have you been able to support your realtor team through this time? Um, well, we're doing a lot more Zoom meetings with our team. We're trying to develop protocols for them to work within the parameters that we, um, they have to function in now. Um, we're there to try to assist them to work their business strategy because, as I said before, the, the crunch for those for our agents is really going to come down and be noticed two or three months down the road. So it really is just trying to make it as easy as we can for them to work in this environment and, um, and making sure that they have all the tools, access to everything they need to do the job. All of our agents have Zoom accounts uh, that have been set up. Um, we're just and try to facilitate and help them do their job as, and make it as easy as we can for them. Excellent. Um, this is a question that was submitted beforehand. I, I want to get to it before we run out of time is that um, the question is around, um, they're looking to build a new house in the next couple of years. And their question is around, how will the material and labor be affected by COVID-19 pandemic? Do you expect that pricing to increase um, or, um, before, you know, in the next 18 to 24 months. Anyone? <laughs> the question was on a renovation project or a build? New build. New build. Um, so we haven't seen a lot happen with pricing, to be honest, which is surprising for us. We thought at first it would go down and then we thought maybe it will go up because there's so much being shipped right now. And, and so many of the, um, of the uh, different supply chains have been interrupted. But what we're, what we're actually experiencing is pretty flat right now. Uh, there hasn't been a huge surge or increase in demand for construction products. And for the most part, it's kind of like the Costco, you know, you wander through Costco and go, how do they still have so many supplies? But for the most part, those supply chains are, are fairly intact right now. Um, and China is, is charging back at full steam. So if your fixtures are, you know, that you absolutely adore coming from China, you're probably safe on that front too. What I would say though, is, um, is that once we actually um, start back into a, a, a kind of a more frenzied market and Q3, Q4, you're, you're going to start seeing those prices go up um, more opportunistically probably than anything real within the economy. But I do, I, I think that people will try and, and companies will try and, and, uh, and raise prices just because they can. Um, so I would say right now is an awesome time to build. Yeah, Angela? I guess it's, it's more of a question to Renee than um, any valuable information, but some of the feedback I've been getting is um, just in relation to uh, labor and the impact on labor for, for construction. And, and uh, the, I know the question was around the pricing on supplies, but Renee, have you seen any impact on labor and is labor going to impact pricing for building at all? Um, we haven't, uh, you know, for the most part, our, our trades have been very, very accommodating with all the COVID-19 protocol that we have to uh, actually go through. 
And uh, you know, most of them are very happy to be on a safe site and working. So we haven't seen a lot of decrease. The, the subsidies are affecting kind of your labor pool because all of a sudden, well, why would I go to work? I can just get my free paycheck. Um, but I, I don't see that as much with anyone who's making over that $55,000 threshold, which most trades would. So we're seeing that trades are, are, are happily showing up to work. They're, you know, we're having to do a lot with scheduling to make sure that they're very safe when they're inside of our homes or inside of our, our projects. But, uh, but we're still seeing them come and we're not seeing a huge increase where I think we might actually see a decrease in some of that is uh, with Albertans coming here for work. Uh, they're getting hard hit on from every side and especially the oil and gas industry. And, uh, and when that happened in 2014, we did see a lot of tradespeople start coming home from the, from the oil um, industry. And, and I think that with that, we might see a, a decrease in what the trades are charging. Um, a lot of questions around interest rates, and I know, again, we don't have the crystal ball on this, but um, maybe I'll just kind of sum them all up on, on, you know, what's the thought from the panel on, you know, what's interest rates going to look like in Q3, Q4, Q4 or in early into next year, and, and um, um, are, you, are we going to see an increase uh, as demand starts increasing again? I'll, pa I'll parrot what I heard Benjamin Tall and Chris Wright say, because I won't claim this as my own. <laughs> Neither one of them saw interest rates going up for the next two years. Um, they saw that possibly in 18 months when a vaccine has hit and things stabilize, truly stabilize, uh, they'll see you know quantitative easing uh, moving off and trying to get the economy to actually take the lion's share of, uh, of stimuli. And so with that, they see interest rates staying low for, um, for quite a while. Thank you. Um, interesting question. It says, is the real estate sector an opportunity for your career change right now? Or is there an opportunity? Jerry, what do you say? <laughs> I've been doing it for a long time and there's always an opportunity. I mean, in every industry there is, there's always room for someone that's good at what they do. Um, you know, I watch builders in the down market build product and, and be successful. So it's every industry. If you're going to work hard and you've got what it takes, there's opportunity always. There's always opportunity. Um, will there be a rise in interest for single family homes as people potentially avoid exposure in condos? Who wants to tackle that? You know, I'm just going to say anecdotally, just talking to some of the people that have friends uh, that are raising kids and stuff in condos in Vancouver and very envious of the people in Kelowna that live and have yards to get their kids out and play in. So, yeah, there, there definitely could be from some of the families that are saying, you know what, the yard is a little bit more important than we thought it was going to be. So, um, you know, there's, there's going to be a segment of the population for everything that we build, but I do believe that people are going to come from the big cities and look for a little bit more room than they're used to having, as Renee said earlier today, about those 300 square foot condos in Vancouver when they can come up here and be in something a lot larger for less money. Renee, sorry, you had something to add in there earlier? I was just gonna say that I think if we were a city like New York that has been very hard hit by, um, by COVID and, uh, and duplicated, we've got a lot of families living in condominiums. I think that would be true. For the most part, uh, families don't live in condominiums in Vancouver. Some do, but not, it's not the vast majority like you would have in a really dense city like New York. Um, I have a good friend that did live in a condo in New York City with small kids and no longer lives in New York City and said, I am, you know, he was thanking his lucky stars that he and his wife had moved when they did, because he said, I could not imagine being, you know, trapped in 900 square feet with two of my babes. I do agree with Jerry. I think it's going to, I think you're going to see people that have families really wanting any space or yard, but whether or not that's a single family, I think that you know, in the Okanagan, we've done some multifamily really creatively with townhomes or urban townhomes. 
um, that have outdoor space that have that are close to parks or close to to a green space that 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 they can move in. So I think that that's going to become important. I think outdoor space, whether that's a patio or whether that's um, you know walking out the front door of a townhouse or whether that's a backyard, I think those spaces will become invaluable. And I think it's a real reflection for the development industry to start saying, okay, have we provided enough? Have we provided the air space that we need in order to actually see um, people live in, in, in community and in harmony and in safety? Um, Allison, for you, this isn't maybe the most positive question, but it's around foreclosures and bankruptcies. If you've seen a rise, if it's too early, and do you, do you expect to see more of that in the upcoming months? Uh, it is too early. We haven't seen anything yet, but, you know, hopefully all of the measures implemented by the federal government will help people weather this storm, whether that's your deferrals until you get to the other side of this, whether there's a short-term loan that you can take advantage of, but it, it is a bit of a wait and see, but hopefully the measures that have been put in place will be able to help people ride this out. Um, Renee, this was for you. It says, what safety protocols and strategies have you implemented to ensure your construction sites continue to operate while meeting and exceeding the requirements set forth by governments and health authorities? Well, that's a really detailed question and I, I could answer it. Um, we do have safety protocols. So every, every trade person has to answer a, um, a questionnaire before they even walk onto our site. Um, we don't have a site, we have socially distanced site meetings, so everyone has to maintain certain distances around themselves. We don't have, um, before you would go in and check in on the site in a trailer, we don't have that anymore. The safety officer actually performs a remote check-in process, so they text the, the safety officer, hey, I'm on site. The safety officer comes, verifies, um, gives any new protocol that have to be implemented, etc., any new information um, Etc. Then we have like things like scheduling. So we don't have more than one trade on any one floor. Um, they have to be either in the same household or have to have a work bubble. Um, so they have to be a working pair and that pair has to stay consistent all the way through the project. So drywallers, we are, we're seeing more father and son teams or, um, or uh, you know, spouses that work together, which is really quite interesting to see how things are, are positively evolving forward. Then mandatory hand washing, um, you know, wearing of masks, all of our PPE has been upgraded and updated to make sure that they all remain safe. Um, other things like we have more washrooms um, on the sites and we have more change rooms on the site so that they can take off their clothes, put them in, you know, into their, their storage and then and then drive home more safely. So it's, um, you know, we're, we're, and I'm just giving a few. I mean, these are, we have six pages of, uh, of, of uh, COVID safety protocol that have to be followed. Um, but ultimately our goal is, is safety. And this morning on our, our management huddle, you know, one of the things we said is if we're doing our job well, we won't have incidents, but it's so hard to quantify, you know, the value there. So we, um, we're exceeding every single requirement that's been stated for us and we're seeing positive results. We're seeing trades that are saying, we'll come to your site because we, we do feel safe and we feel like you're taking this seriously. We're not going to that site and I won't send my guys there. So it's, it's been a positive um, feedback loop for us in, in all of that we're doing. Um, we had to get hand washing stations like put onto sites that we don't have running water yet, right? And so we have, you know, these massive hand washing stations um, that are throughout our sites just so that, you know, we can make sure that people don't just use hand sanitizer and dry out their hands, but actually have soap and water. Uh, I think might be the last question, temperature seven for Angela is, is um, just some questions around the luxury market or, or is, are you still seeing sales in the luxury market? And if it is, where are they coming from? Is it mostly Vancouver still? Uh, that's a good question. And I actually um, was talking to Jane about it yesterday and uh, yes, there's still sales in the luxury market and um, what she's seeing and, and what she's feeling is uh, there is a renewed interest from Alberta. So uh, last year with the, um, with the impacts from the speculation tax and there was a lot of resentment and emotional reaction to what our government was doing. Um, we're now seeing uh, some of the impact that Albertans are feeling from 
um, maybe their own government regulations or just what's happening in the economy there and they're doing more future planning and looking at the long-term horizon and saying, you know, uh, when I retire, when I get there, where am I ultimately going to want to be? And they're seeing the Okanagan as that ideal location to um, invest in, which is great from our perspective uh, because there has been historically a lot of people from out of province investing in our region. So um, yeah, the luxury market is still strong and there is uh, that renewed interest from Alberta. So it's it's a positive, um, I guess a positive out of this situation. That's great. Well, thank you everyone. It's 10.50, I told you it was gonna go fast. We, didn't, we haven't got to all the questions, but we'll do our best to, to circle back uh, and get those answered. And if anyone has any questions, that we you haven't we haven't gotten to you can please just reach out we can we can reach out to anybody that's on the panel and make sure we get them uh, answered for you as well so um again uh, sorry allison do you have something to add in okay yeah go ahead yeah, uh, yeah sorry very quickly i think uh, I, I did miss answering one question about stratas and insurance um okay. so i think for that person just right right now um reach out to your insurer or if you're looking to buy um, you know, whoever you're, you're currently dealing with and give them some information on your specific property that you're looking at or that you currently own and they will or they should be able to have some insight into kind of what the cost might look like and going forward. So okay. just fit that in at the end. Sorry. No, thank you. No, no problem. Thank you. I think I missed skimmed over that too then. I apologize. Um, yeah, again, thank you to Renee, Allison, Angela and Jerry for joining us today for an hour. Like I said, I know everyone's I do lots of Zoom calls going on now. So we, we do have um, three more sessions planned for this week. Speaking of more Zoom calls, tomorrow we got Gordon Burrell from Burrell and Associates. So talking about local marketing, I think it'll be a really good one. So if you have time, do tune into that because it's going to be a really good one. Uh, Thursday, will 10 a.m., we're going to be talking about the rental and leasing market. So lots of questions around that. Um, and then Friday on employment law. So we got a lot planned for the for the rest of the week. So again, thank you for spending the hour with us. Uh, we're here to help answer any questions that you guys might have. So please do reach out and uh, let us know if there's other topics you want to cover. Have a great rest of your day and thank you for tuning into Business Matters. Have a great day. Thank you. Thanks everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Matters with host Rob Capello. If you're interested in being on the show, reach out to us and join the conversation.